Hey there and welcome to Soul Church. Our prayer is that this message encourages you wherever you may be in life. You know, we've been hearing so many stories about what God is doing in people's lives and we'd love to hear yours. So take a second and send your story to stories at soulchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us today and we hope that you enjoy the message. God bless. We're beginning a brand new series today, Psalm 23. Who loves Psalm 23? And uh, if you've recently joined the church or returned back from uh, after being with us at Easter, we wanted to do a series, just a real micro series for three weeks to, to really help us um, on, the, on the journey on the, uh, that we're going through. Maybe you're new to faith, maybe you're struggling with a whole lot of th- things that are happening in our world right now, fear and stress. And this psalm is a brilliant psalm. And um, a lot of people think Psalm 23 is like the funeral psalm. But there's actually only one line about death in the whole uh, in the whole psalm. It's all about, it's a life-giving psalm. It's to help you in your everyday. And uh, I know this for the next three weeks, uh, it's going to be a real, a real tool to help you get through your week. And uh, that's our prayer. We don't just want to speak to your Sundays. We want to help you on your Mondays. And so this is what this series is all about. And uh, uh, Rach is going to kick off the series. Rach is going to kick off the series for us today. So why don't we stand to our feet. Let's give her a big, big warm welcome as she brings God's Word. Thank you, Pastor John and Chantel. It's always a privilege to be at home, to be um, on this platform, but to share God's Word with you. And uh, every single one of you are at a place today that only your shepherd knows where you're at how far away from Him, how close to Him, your anxiety levels, your rest levels, your hunger levels, your doubts, your fears. He knows exactly what's going on. That can either be scary or reassuring. For me, it's really reassuring. But may you be reassured by this Word this morning. And I believe it's gonna speak to every heart. I was on my knees this morning in my living room and really felt strongly the personal presence of the shepherd again. I don't know how many of you have ever lied awake at night. I did very recently, 2 a.m. And we, people tell us not to make it personal. They tell us, don't take it personally. Has anyone ever said that to you? Don't take it personally. But things go over in our minds. And it's usually because it's important to us. And it's our core values. It's, it's, it, it's so we do take it personally. But can I tell you this morning, you've got a personal God who understands every thought afar off. It's the title of this message is Psalm 23, but it's making it personal. Make it personal to you today. So with that in mind, can you put your hand on your heart? This is personally for you. Lord Jesus, I thank you that your word is living and powerful. It says in Hebrews 4, your word is sharper than any two-edged sword, but your word also brings peace and it helps to bring clarity to the thoughts and intents of our heart. And so right now we open our hearts, speak to us as only you can. Give us rest and peace, draw us closer to you, each and every one. Whether we've been coming for many years, whether we've just come for the first time today, whether we're old, whether we're young, male, female, part of the Teen Challenge guys, some of our young adults, whatever stage in life you are right now, here's our shepherd, may he speak to us as only he can. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. You can, actually, we're we're gonna stay standing because we're gonna read this scripture. 
I think there's no better time than right now with the, everything that's going on. And if you're watching online, a huge hello and lots of love to you. But all that's going on in our economy and world, we need to know peace and we need to be able to declare personally that He's our shepherd. And I think as I started saying, the Lord is my shepherd in the middle of the night, not so long ago, it brought a calm to my soul. And something that is very famous became very personal. And so can we say this together and keep in mind the personal parts of the Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Yeah, I feel like I need to applaud our shepherd and king. Thank you, Lord. And while we're at it, can we thank the worship team for doing an incredible job? You guys are brilliant. We're gonna worship again at the end. Thank you, you can take your seats. And so I've come to realize this Psalm that has become famous, it was recited over soldiers in trenches. It was sang at our late Queen Elizabeth's funeral last year. And some of you have sang it at many funerals of loved ones. But could it be that it's not only a psalm for our darkest days and for our last day, but a psalm for every day? His goodness and mercy will follow me all, all the days of my life. And so something that's famous, I believe is gonna be something as it's become personal to me, it's gonna become personal to you. It's written by a shepherd, David, was a shepherd boy that became king. His dad was a shepherd. But it's not written at a time of green pastures and still waters. He had that in his early years. But his life was punctuated by times of great stress and times of great loss and rejection. In fact, he was on the, on the run from his predecessor Saul for about 15 to 17 years who was out to kill him. So he's often in barren places, in caves. His own son Absalom tried to steal the throne and raised an army to try and destroy King David. And he, his life, his reign was full of war. He experienced the loss of a child. He, he had family division and he knew rejection, he knew pain, he knew, knew loss, he knew failure. But yet, even though he'd experienced all this and it was a far cry from green pastures and still waters, he's still able to say, what a personal statement, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. What a picture of pure contentment. And he finishes with goodness and mercy will follow me all, all the days of my life. 
And so today we're going to focus on those first three verses. And David opens with the incredible one line, the Lord is my shepherd. That line is the foundation of the whole psalm. It's the bedrock of our belief. It's the premise to the promise. The Lord is my shepherd. You see, in the ancient world, lords were seen as far removed and distant and disinterested. And yet, a shepherd is someone with a connotation of caring. So if Lord comes across as control and a shepherd comes across as caring, how can the two be in one sentence? Seems like a paradox. And it's interesting that in Bible times, my research this week, talking to shepherds here in England, but also researching what it would have been like in ancient Israel, sheep were earmarked to show that they belonged to the shepherd. A tag was put in their ear or a piercing in their ear, and it meant that the shepherd had paid a price, they belonged to him, and so it was his responsibility to care for them. Do you know you've been earmarked by your Lord and Saviour? And it's his responsibility to care for you. He paid a price for you. And it's he wants to make sure that you are living a life that is full and abundant and flourishing. It says in Ephesians 1.13, when you believed, he stamped you with an official mark. That official mark is the Holy Spirit that he promised. The Spirit makes us as God's own. We can now be sure that someday we will receive all that God has promised. He's earmarked each of you. He's saying, she's my girl, don't touch her. That's my boy, don't you hurt him. I'm going to give them direction. I'm going to give them help. I'm going to give them peace. Because the Hebrew word used here that David used for shepherd speaks of care because it comes from the root meaning and it's actually, it's called best friend. I won't pronounce the Hebrew word, but it's translated as best friend. And the connotation here is this is someone that's not just an oversight, an overseer, someone that's responsible, but someone that deeply, genuinely cares and will give his life and will look out 24-7. Jesus himself said, I am the good shepherd in John 10. I give my life for the sheep. So he's marked you. Whether you are on a mountaintop today or whether you're in a valley, he's promised to be with you and to provide for you and to care for you and to protect you in whatever you are going through. So because the Lord is my shepherd and David uses an interesting literary concept and it's called a two-part logic. The second part, I shall not want or I shall lack nothing is only possible because the first part is true. The Lord is my shepherd. So today, make it personal. I pray that this psalm will become personal to you and your situation. So many people after the last service were saying, that was just for me. One lady that was here for the first time, she said, how did you know I was going through all that? I felt like you were speaking just to me. So I pray that this will be something exactly that you need today. A few weeks ago, I was on flying to speak at a women's conference in Paris. And we were on the runway, it was early in the morning, and the airplane went to take off, 
and it was going full pelt and suddenly there's a halt and everyone's thrown back in their seats. And is that your worst nightmare, anyone? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not the world's greatest flyer. I've had to overcome it and overcome And the captain comes on and says, something lit up on the dash, on the cockpit, and we've got to check it out. So we circle round again and we pull aside. He fixes the problem. He comes on and reassures all the passengers he's 100% sure that it's safe. They fixed it, ready to go. So off we go. The engines are going full pelt. We're going along the runway and all of a sudden, it pulls back again and stops. Yeah, okay, that's what's happening with the passengers on the plane. But they're not just like mumbling. Some of them are shouting some interesting expletives about what they think about EasyJet and the captain. And so he comes on again and says, we're fixing the problem. We come round again, line up to go on the runway. And he goes along a little bit, and then he veers off to the right to go over to a large hangar that's a long way from the terminal. And the tannoy comes on to say some of the passengers want to get off. <laughs> At which point I look across to my friend, who's as white as a sheet, because she hasn't flown for many years. And I'm like, what do I do? What do I? And I'm not feeling the best. Anyway, I get up and I go to the toilet. So about 10 passengers get off, at which point we had to wait for the wheels to come across and the bus to take them back to the terminal. 10 people get off, I'm, I go to the toilet, I come out, I see flight attendants, I say, is this normal? <laughs> and they could have reassured me, but they said no. <laughs> and then, the other, they, then some more people got off the plane and the lady said, the other flight attendant said, I think I want to get off too. <laughs> And so I go back to my seat, and I'm, I'm not sat with the person I was with, and I, I call Steve. I'm just hearing his voice at the other end just makes me super emotional. And I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? He said, I can call Sam Lee. He knows about aer aeronomics and all this. A lot. Like, we couldn't get him for a while. I didn't know what to do. And in the end, we make a decision to join the others and get off the plane. Yes, you're with me. Who would have got off the plane? Okay, we're about half and half in the last service. They breed them tough in Norfolk. Who would have stayed on? Yeah, because you trust in God. Good job, good job, good job. I wasn't trusting right at that moment. <laughs> and to take a long story short, I ended up having, we booked another help, Steve helped me, and we booked another flight for the next day, but it meant that I had to be up at the crack of dawn for the next morning. I had four hours sleep. And, and had to go via another airport, via Geneva, and then to Paris. And I remember getting into Geneva, and I, I had a short time before the next flight, and I'm just, because it was so early in the morning, I needed a coffee, and I sat down with my coffee, and Steve called me. As I answered the phone, I dropped the coffee all over my cream jacket. I'm like, this can't get any worse. I run out to the bathroom and I've spent ages trying to clean it and then put it under the, the dryer for the hand to try and dry it out. And then a tannoy comes on, says um, that we've been boarding, we're waiting for the last passengers. And so I ran out, get on there just in time. And as I sit, the plane takes off properly this time. And I'm praying, God, you preserve my going out and coming in from this time forth and forevermore. As actually, John's dad gave me that scripture, Murray, many years ago. Rachel, quote this scripture every time you take off. But as I sat there, I just said, Lord, I need your peace. And I actually started to say Psalm 23. 
You lead me beside still waters. You restore my soul. Thank you for your peace. And I had a, an incredible sense of peace. I arrived 30 minutes before I was due to preach. And I think getting up there, I was telling some of my friends afterwards, I saw so many people come to Jesus, so many healings, so many incredible stories of the power of God moving. And I believe that it was because I'd, it wasn't about me. I'd had complete dependence on God. But it had come from a deep place of rest that I hadn't gone to in a long time. So whether you're on an airplane or whether you're walking along Marriott's Way or in the city along the river after having not a great night's sleep, whatever you are finding, you might have found this year that we've been believing for favor, right? This is a year of favor. And you might have found some of you believing for favor and you're going along the runway, it's gonna take off. This business thing, this, this relationship, this situation, it's gonna take off and then it pulls back. And you go around again. And then you think, oh, it's, it's gonna work this time. You're believing for favor. And they feel like you're going around again each time, losing a bit more of your peace. Then can anyone relate to that? I know I've spoken to many and they're still declaring God's favor. And yes, we declare it on the mountaintops and in the valley. But sometimes it can feel like we're taking off and stopping. So even though we can feel that we are in the middle of a situation that looks challenging, we can dig deep to a personal place where we declare, the Lord is my shepherd. Therefore, he makes me rest and lie down in green pastures. So the first point to take away in making it personal in your year of favor, believing for his peace and his protection, is he makes me rest. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Sheep, sheeps, <laughs> sheeps, sheep don't naturally lie down. I don't know if you, I was up north this week and we saw a lot of sheep. We have sheep in Attlebridge where we live. They're often on their feet. And apparently, you know, the word makes me is an interesting phrase, isn't it? You don't make people rest. You might, you know, those of you who've got little babies, you want to make them go to bed. But there's, 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 there's requirements, I talked to a shepherdess this week, there's requirements that have to be made, that have to be met in order for a sheep to lie down. First of all, they need to be free from fear because sheep are very timid. Secondly, free from friction. That's from others in the flock. You know the terminology butting heads. It can happen a lot within a flock. So free from fear, free from friction, Three, free from infection. My dad tells me, my dad used to keep sheep, and sometimes flies can lay eggs in the fur, and the maggots go into the skin. Yeah, it's gross. It will eat if they're not treated, and they treat them with oil and chemicals so that they slide off. Sometimes things can get in us. We, can, we just need to... Allow them, to, with the oil of the Holy Spirit, allow them to come off. So first of all, sheep need four things. They need to be free from fear, free from friction, free from infection, and fourthly, free from hunger. So the picture here is the only way a sheep can truly lie down and be made to lie down is by the presence and the protection and the care of the shepherd. Each of these things that I've just described are very personal. Some of you are going through fear right now. Some of you, there's friction in your families. Some of you, have the, the things have got on you and they've got inside you. Some of you are just hungry for more. And you think, what's next? What's coming next? 
Your shepherd knows and understands your individual situation. Do you know what? He's actually prepared green pastures for you. Because this was written with a viewer. It wasn't in England's green and pleasant land. It was in ancient Palestine, ancient Israel that was dry and barren and coarse landscape. And so the, shep the shepherd not only makes the sheep lie down, he makes the pastures. So he would have to go ahead and cultivate, plow the ground, sow seed for grass, water it and cultivate it to create these beautiful green pastures for his sheep to thrive and flourish. But what often happens before that is the sheep that are particularly discontent, they won't naturally lie down, they're on the go all the time. They're constantly on the go and they're looking for the next thing. They don't actually know how to look for green pastures. And sheep that are on the go all the time and worrying and concerned, they lack vigor and vitality. In fact, I found out that sheep that lie down live longer. And so for you, some of you might be walking around and you're wondering and you're, you're a bit stressed and there's been worry and you're not in a place of rest. But know this, that your shepherd has gone before you and even in your desert, he is cultivating green pastures for your Monday, Tuesday, for your next month, for April, for May, for June. He's prepared unique green pastures just for you. And I think there's a picture of green pastures in the middle of a desert so that you don't need to live worn out but in a place of flourishing. It's interesting, another thing about when sheep are lying down, if they hear a noise that they're threatened by, one will jump up and run. What happens to the others? They all get up, don't they? And they all run, not even looking to see where the source of potential danger is coming from, and they follow because it's self-preservation instinct. It's amazing that we're compared to a sheep. Jesus describes us as sheep. One little thought that can enter our heads. A family member says something and it can spark off alarm and fear. You can read something on social media, hear something on the news, and it can spark off fear. Everyone jumps on the same bandwagon and before you know it, we're running away and we actually should be running to the one that can really preserve us. What happens, and I help a lot of people coaching and helping them, and I found that self-preservation, it's a human instinct, but it actually is very harmful. Self-preservation causes us to run from people or places that can actually help us. Those initial instincts to run or to hide can actually cause us to self-sabotage. Can I encourage you to stop self-preserving and allow your shepherd to preserve your life. See, King David was always on the run from Saul, yet he ran to his shepherd. And the scripture that I meant that I say every time I travel, Psalm 121 says, the Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord will preserve your going out, your coming in from this day forth and forevermore. The one who made you can preserve you.
He preserves your mind, your will, your emotions, your soul every day when you get in the car and go out, every day when you come home. And it's not just on the darkest days and the last day. As as Pastor John said, it's not just for those times of valley. It's every single day. And so to be free from friction, fear, aggravation, and hunger, we allow him to preserve our souls. So stop your self-preservation tactics and rest in the one that knows you best, that can preserve you. I've been quite on and quite a journey learning to rest. I'm not very good at it. I actually, I'm better at helping other people to rest. I, I tend to think things through a lot and I'm, I'm a fixer and so I wanna, oh, we can do this, we can do, I wanna act, I wanna do something. Anyone else like that? And you, you, you everything, or, or maybe I want to make the most of time. I don't want to waste any time. And so I've learned that sometimes when you bottle things up, Caroline's smiling at me. I know what that's like. We can bottle things up. Does anyone bottle things up? It's not good for our health, is it? It's really bad for your health. And I suffered with back problems for many years. And I shared with you at the start of the year in a message I preached and how I had an incredible healing of my back last September. Remember hearing me share that story? And a lot of it was connected with me pausing, allowing these women to come around and pray for me, and going to a place of internal rest where I had a deep joy and a peace restored, and it actually brought about healing physically for my back. That was in September, we're now in April, and I've not had any pain. I'm, I'm, I'm completely pain-free still, and I'm walking in that healing every day. But you know what? We have to be wise with that, with rest. And we've had to adjust our pace, create space, rely on His grace. We've made some practical changes to our lives to focus and prioritize uh, on purpose and calling. But I've also had to work internally at getting to a place of rest and allowing the Holy Spirit to come in as only he can and bring the peace and bring the joy and bring the comfort. He's the one that helps you to get free of friction from family members, free of fear, free from aggravation and infection and free from hunger. He's the one and we can personally say, God, I surrender to you. Psalm 46 verse 10 says, surrender your anxiety to me. Be still and realize I am your God. Sometimes we can even quote scripture out of fear. When you do quote scripture and pray, do it from a place of faith and a place of victory, knowing he's already gone before you. He's already creating those green pastures. So number one, because he's your Lord and your shepherd, he makes you rest. Number two, he leads me. He leads me beside still waters in dry Palestinian terrain where water is scarce. Sheep need to be led to water. Only the shepherd knows where that can be found. And a lot of sheep, again, they just wander off and look around. And sometimes the, the thirst will cause them to just look for any, any source of water. And they can often drink from polluted potholes just to quench, in their, quench their thirst. They specifically need still water. Sheep are terrified of rushing water because they can't swim. Imagine their, their, their wool weighing down. So the shepherd knows they need still waters and they need to be led. 
Sometimes our souls can become thirsty. And we know that because there's often a lack of joy. There's a lack of intimacy maybe with God and with others around us. There's often a lack of generosity. Sometimes there's a lack of motivation, inability to sleep at night. All of these things can be sometimes because our soul is actually thirsty and we don't even realize it. And he's wanting to lead you to those still waters. Human love can't quench that. Materialism can't quench it. Success can't quench it. And David, who wrote this psalm, also wrote Psalm 63. Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there's no water. Have any of you ever felt like that? God, I don't know what I need, but I, I just... That I'm, I'm, I'm feeling thirsty. He then goes on to say in verse three, because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name and my soul will be satisfied. Only he can satisfy. I've shared this with you before, but a pivotal time in my life was about 10 years ago and we were pastoring in Australia and it was a busy time. Sometimes life can get full, can't it? But we choose to keep going and we keep going and we keep going, we keep going. And I remember this, this um, feeling of constant hunger and thirst. And I'd go into the fridge at night thinking, mm, what do I fancy? And I'd kind of be picking in. And then I thought, well, maybe I'm missing home. And I called my parents and um, I was missing them, but it didn't satisfy this, like, this thirst. And, and I thought, well, I need a night out with the girls. So we had a night out, didn't really work. I thought, I know, I need some new boots. So a bit of retail therapy, I thought that's gonna help. I need this in my life, didn't it work? And I thought, well, maybe I need some time with my hubby. Need some intimacy. And um, yeah, he wasn't last on the list, by the way, but um, <laughs> that didn't quite solve it either. And um, so I'm out at an 80th birthday party, dear lady in the church. And over scones and jam and cream, I start to tell her, like she's a bit of a random stranger, but she's American, she's godly, and she's wise. She's, yeah, the Americans are godly and wise, aren't they, Shanta? And so I just start telling this older woman what I'm going through. And she puts her tea down and she looks me in the eye and she says, honey, you're thirsty for the presence of God. And I didn't expect that. I'm like, I'm reading my Bible every day, I'm praying. But she said, the Spirit of God, your shepherd, is leading you to still waters. And I, I got home that night and lay on the kids' trampoline. It was dark and I looked up at the stars. And I said, oh Jesus, I wanna draw close to you. Holy Spirit, fill me again with your presence and your peace. I'm thirsty and I don't really know what that looks like. I can't really describe it, but please saturate my soul. You know what I need. I need to know there's still waters. And I knew that it came from his presence. I knew that it comes from lifting up hands and lay, I lay there, like I was lifting up my hands. I was praising God, I was tears. I felt like I came to a close place with him again. Even sitting in the service this morning, I glance across and see many of you with hands raised. It's the place to be drinking from his throne, from his river, from his wells. 
I see my dad's hands. I recognize, the, recognize those hands a mile off. Those hands that I've seen raised for many years, trusting God in the good times and the bad times. Do you know what happened after that night? As I went through the rest of the year, I felt like a, invigorated. I felt like I could keep going. And I kept regularly stepping out at night to pour out my heart to God and just to love Him. And some of my colleagues would get to the end of the year and think, oh, I can't wait for the holidays. I'm exhausted. I can't. And I was replenished. And I remember getting to the end of the year thinking I had a lot more reserve. Because when you lay down in green pastures and when you're led to still waters, He will revive you. He will refresh you and give you the vitality you need to be able to do your day-to-day life and your work. How amazing is our personal God? It also says that He leads us in paths of righteousness. See, we can't know the right direction for young people, for older people, for every stage in our lives. lives. We need direction, don't we? The only way we can have direction is when we've first been led by still waters. So we're at peace and we know what step to take and we can follow the shepherd's voice. And number three, because the Lord is my shepherd, He makes me rest, he leads me, and number three, he restores me. In verse three, Psalm 23, he restores my soul. Your soul is who you are. It's the part that makes you you, your mind, your will, your emotions. It's the engine room of your life. And if the the team could come up. David knew what it was like to need his soul restored. As I said, he often, on the run, experienced rejection, experienced hurt, experienced failure. He needed his soul to be restored. And so he writes this psalm, Psalm 42, verse 5, and I've quoted this often. Why are you cast down, oh my soul? Have any of you ever felt like your soul is cast down? Any of you felt like that this week? Come on, talk to me. Come on. So I know some of you, yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lot of you felt, I've, I had a moment like that this week. It says, why are you cast down on myself? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. I will yet praise him for the help of his countenance. David knew how to speak to his soul. He knew how to acknowledge his position, but he also knew how to call on God for help and praise him. Do you know what I found out this week? In English, uh, a cast down sheep is an old English shepherd's term for a sheep that's turned on its back and cannot get up by itself. It's called a sheep that is cast. One of the shepherd's biggest jobs is to go after cast sheep. They will check and count the amount of sheep that are there every morning. And what will happen is a sheep will often go off from the rest of the flock, look for something more comfortable and will find a little hollow and it will cause them to just tip over the weight of their fur, their fur, wool, wool, and end up with their legs frantically and they cannot get up. It's a pitiable sight. And they will die if the shepherd doesn't get there in time. These gases are released in their stomach that cuts off the circulation to their extremities. And the shepherd literally has to run to them. If for some reason in the heat they're left, they'll die within a number of hours. If it's raining, it can be a couple of days. But the shepherd will run to them and lift them up and get them back on their feet again. 
so they can be reunited with the rest of the flock. He goes after them. You see, how many times can we feel cast down? And the sheep that are most cast are the ones that wander away. And they're the ones that look for comfort. And sometimes their, fur, their sheep, their wool can become matted and things can cling to them and it makes them weigh down. Things can cling to us easily and we can become disconnected and we're prone to being cast. But I love so much that Jesus talked about leaving the others to go for the one. He tells the parable in Luke 15, and this is not just over those that don't know Jesus yet, it's looking for those in the flock that have gone off, that have got lost, that were once in the flock. And He's looking to find those that are cast. And it says in Luke 15, 4, doesn't He leave the 99 and go after the lost sheep until He finds it and when He finds it? When, not if, when He finds it. He joyfully puts it on His shoulders and carries it home. Your shepherd is looking out for you, whether you are fully cast down, whether you're a little bit cast down, whether you've experienced it before, you're gonna experience it again at some point, but he's gonna come after you and he sees you. And as I said at the beginning, what's important to you is important to your God and he'll leave the others. Sometimes we want others to rescue us, but he will, he'll come out at any time of day or night and he'll draw you to Himself and be your restorer, your preserver. Restoring means to return something to its original state or even better. He returns us to something that's better, loving you back to life, to make you purposeful. And so we need to stand together with David and say, why are you downcast? Oh my soul, I will hope in God. He is the lifter of my head. I will praise Him. I will praise Him. Don't hope for a better economy. Don't hope. Yes, we can hope for those things. But if we place our hope in economy, hope in government or hope in, in human friendships and relationships, hope in success, they will cause us to feel unnerved and anxious and potentially drift away. Romans 15, 13 says, Now may the God, the fountain of hope, fill you to be overflowing with uncontainable joy, perfect peace as you trust in Him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with the superabundance, His superabundance, until you radiate with hope. Psalm 119 says, There is such great peace and well being that comes to the lovers of your word. Peace, well-being and hope. We love those words, but they come by declaring His word. I started this year, my word for the year is declaration. And I decided I needed to declare because your life moves in the direction of your strongest thoughts. And because of all my overthinking, I thought, I've got to stop this. I've got to allow this word to become my strongest thoughts and to be something that I speak regularly. But you know, I've been tested on that unbelievably. But you know what I found? It's not so much about the big declarations of faith and miracles for the future, it is that. But what I found, it's those personal declarations 
in a valley every day. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall lack nothing. See what you need? He knows what you need, sweetheart. I don't know your name, but I, I saw you earlier in the worship and I believe that he was saying, I wanna restore your soul. There's been moments of being cast down. People that have caused some pain and some aggravation. And he's bringing about a sense of peace and a sense of harmony. And he's working it all together for good. And so whether you're feeling cast down or whether you're feeling like you're on top or something in the middle, he knows exactly what you need. And I love the Holy Spirit. He's not a one size fits all. I love that our shepherd knows exactly what you need, Lynn, exactly what you need, Richard, exactly what you need, Alison. He's a personal God. He's a personal God. And so could we together declare again this week and every day of our lives, do you know what? Because He is your Lord and your shepherd, He makes me rest. He leads me. He restores my soul. And because I know that and I can declare it, I can walk through any valley. I can be surrounded by enemies and I can overcome. I can know that His goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever and ever and ever. Because He's my Lord. He's my God. Can we stand together? closing moments and we're going to sing this song be still and know the Lord is in control stand and watch as giants fall I won't be afraid you're here you silence all my fear I won't be afraid don't let go he doesn't let go of us be still my heart and know be still and trust the Lord what he's done he said he will do find rest don't strive watch as faith and grace align. I wonder who in here, I really felt earlier that God wants to speak to some individuals. Who's having trouble sleeping at night? Or you're just feeling a sense of unrest? You remember the sheep I was talking about that are kind of walking on the go all the time? You're not at rest. You've had so much on. Who's not sleeping or who is feeling they're not at rest right now? Yeah, there's so many of you, there's so many. If you're standing near someone with a hand raised, can you just be a friend? Whether you feel spiritual or not, be a friend. Put your hand on their shoulder. And can you pray for them? Is this what we won't do as a church? We've got to stand together. A sheep in a flock. They're there for each other. Let's be there for each other right now. I pray at this moment, God, that you will cause peace to reign in every heart. Whatever the root cause is of anxiety, whatever the root cause of not being able to sleep. Lord, Your Word says You give Your beloved sleep and You will have peace and You will be restored. And tonight You will sleep and Your peace, Your sleep will be sweet in Jesus' Name. In Jesus' Name. Say aloud in Jesus' Name. I thank You for peace. Now who's battling anxiety? Who's had an underlying anxiety? And it's about fear. It's fear related for a family member, for the future. Anxiety is, is rooted in fear and a little bit in direction. You don't know which way to go. Who's that? I wanna pray for those. We're gonna see anxiety go in Jesus' Name. 
in Jesus' name. Again, if you're standing near someone with a hand raised, in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, anxiety is gone in the name of Jesus. Right now, I speak again, peace for all anxiety. You preserve our soul, you restore our soul. I thank you, Lord, that you are not a God that brings fear and timidity, but peace and love and power and a sound mind. I thank you for a sound mind. You want your people to live with a sound mind in health and wholeness and peace. Peace of God, peace of God. In Jesus' Name, let's sing this song together for a couple of moments and let's rec recognise His love and mercy, His peace and kindness. And can you reach out to Him and say, Jesus, I want You to be my rest in a new way. I won't be afraid. That's it. I won't be afraid. He's gone ahead. He's making green pastures. for you. He's preparing green pastures. So you're standing there with your hands like that and a, and a beige um, shirt on. If God is giving you a fresh um, revelation of a scripture, of His Word that is going to become so powerful to you, there's been pain. It's been a lot of pain. But there's going to be something about knowing His Word that I believe you're going to be, it's going to help bring life to you, but it's going to bring life to others. And it might even be those that are around, but long-term, I believe God's earmarked you as He has each of you. But He's earmarked you to be someone that's gonna help lead others. You think, me? Yeah, He's gonna help you. What comes alive in you is gonna help others and bring life to others. So get into that Word and love that Word. And the same for each and every one of us that are feeling like cast down or what's happened in the past, today is a new day. And from now on, you experience this personal psalm, it'll help others around you. And because He's restoring your soul, you'll be able to go help go after the ones. Go after those that haven't been for a while. Go after those that, that are cast down and you help be the hands and feet of the shepherd and you draw them in. Can we do that? We can do that for others. And just in these closing moments, I would love to know those of you that I can lead to know, introduce you to the shepherd. See, John 10, 10 says, I am the good shepherd. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. He says, I am the door. And He says, if anyone enters by me, they shall be saved and they will go in and out and find pasture. You see, He died for you to be able to find peace. We sing at Christmas time, peace, the Prince of Peace goodwill to all men. He actually came to give you peace and give you life and give you meaning, give you forgiveness for your past, give you a purpose for your today and a hope beyond the grave. But that same Scripture says the thief, the enemy, the devil, whatever you want to call him, comes to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and life in its fullness. Who wouldn't want to say yes to life, yes to peace? Yes to hope beyond the grave. And I would love to know who I'm praying for. I ask every head be bowed, every eye closed. Maybe you've come for the first time with a friend. Maybe you've been coming for a while, like we had a couple in the last service that been coming for a couple of weeks and weighing it all up, but today was their day and they responded to Jesus. 
We had some also in, in this room, again from the front to the back and online. And you've maybe once served God and once had Him as your best friend, your personal Saviour, but you've walked off like the sheep and you've got disappointed and you've got discouraged. And, and people that have hurt you, you've kind of put that all in the same box as God and you've walked away from Him. But He's reaching out with arms of love. Come on, my son. Come on, my daughter. Come to me. I'll give you peace. Come back into the fold. Come back to safety. And if that's you, and you would love to respond today. After three, just pop your hand up and it'll just be high enough and long enough for us all to say this powerful, but a significant personal prayer together. If that's you, after three, just shoot your hand up. After three, today is your day. One, don't put it off. Say yes to your shepherd. Two, three, that's it all over this room. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. That's it, keep your hand up. Thank you. And those of you that have wandered off and you're coming back, who's coming back today? Who's coming back? I'm gonna wait for one more moment. Thank you, sir, you're coming back today. You're coming back. He's coming back today. Thank you, sir. Thank you, thank you. I'm seeing some hands, but God is seeing a whole lot of hearts. And I might've missed your hands, but God sees you and He knows you. And we're gonna pray this prayer together, but mean it with all of your heart. Can you put your hand on your heart if you really wanna pray this prayer and say it after me? Let's all say it together with those that are praying it. Dear Lord Jesus, thank You for dying for me, to forgive me of all my sin and failures, so that I can have a brand new start. Help me, please come into my life and help me by the power of the Holy Spirit to trust and live for You. Be my shepherd, be my best friend, and may I follow You all the days of my life and live with You forever. In Your Name, Amen. Can we applaud those again that have responded to Jesus? Just as the shepherd goes after the one, there's great rejoicing in heaven. There's great celebration right now because you've come back or you've come for the first time. And if you put your hand on your heart and you prayed that prayer, we would love to get one of these Bibles into your hands. Some of our team would have had a little peek and maybe seen you raise your hand. Or if they didn't, just come as you come out, even if you already have got a Bible, it's our point of connection. Just say, hey, I'd love one of those. And we'd love to exchange details so we can help you on this journey together into green pastures and know that He'll be with you every step along the way. But we need each other so we can help you as little or as much as you like. But my prayer is that every day this week, that the Lord's, not the Lord's prayer, the Lord is my shepherd, Psalm 23 will become so much more personal to you. He will lead you, He will restore you, He will make you rest, and He will be with you every day in Jesus' name. Thanks again for tuning in. And if you said the salvation prayer today, we'd love for you to email connecttofaith at soulchurch.com so we can talk to you a little bit more about this incredible decision that you've just made. Yeah, you know, and if at any point in the service you felt moved to give towards any of our local or global initiatives, then head to soulchurch.com and click on the giving at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope to see you again soon. God bless.